seconds. Two seconds. Riddell all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And one in! And one in! And then the other way for the ball game! On today's episode of the Hoosier Experience podcast, I talk to Jackson Yuri and Jared Ringden of the new The Basketball State podcast, which is a new podcast by these two guys where they will be looking to cover and analyze basketball in the state of Indiana, high school basketball, I should say. And this is a really cool idea. I think that high school basketball in Indiana is just a different beast. It is so cool. It is so awesome. It was awesome to be a part of it. Uh, And I don't think it gets quite enough analysis, as I mentioned here on the show, I I just don't think it gets quite enough coverage. So for them to be doing that is really cool. They're both going to be at Indiana with me uh, at IU, and they're both in the the media school as well, just like I am. Really excited to share with you guys that conversation. Uh, We talk about pretty much get some background on them, why they are doing what they're doing with their podcasts, uh, where they came from in terms of their high school, how they were involved with Indiana high school basketball to begin with. And then we sort of get into the upcoming season, start to talk about players, prospects, and everything that goes into that. Really nice conversation with these guys. And go ahead and check out their podcast, The Basketball State, if you haven't already. Really good stuff. They are two episodes in. And I think they're dropping a third one this week with with a guest. So... Good stuff from them. Check it out and enjoy this interview with Jackson Neary and Jared Ringden. Welcome to another episode of the Hoosier Experience podcast. My name is Aiden Kunst. Today, I am pleased to be joined by the two guys who have started the new the Basketball State podcast, uh, Jackson Neary and Jared Ringden. Uh, both of these guys go to IU, both of them very passionate about Indiana High School. Uh, so you know that I wanted to have them on because I am equally uh, interested in Indiana high school basketball. Guys, how are we doing? Doing well, Aiden. I really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, thanks again for having us on. This is uh, great to talk some hoops today. Yeah, no problem. Um, I just kind of saw your guys' new podcast come across the feed the other day and thought it was pretty interesting because I, I think that uh, you know Indiana high school basketball – I've been looking for more, you know, in-depth coverage since I started playing two years ago, just moved to Indiana two years ago and started playing. And I think it's pretty easy to find scores. It's pretty easy to find, uh, you know, tweets about it, but it's it's not so easy to find a a podcast, something where there's some in-depth analysis. So I appreciate you guys doing that. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I agree with you. I mean, like, um, throughout my high school career and in general, when I really fell in love uh, with Indiana high school basketball, you really find like those niche like services and stuff to get your, uh, your analysis, but like widespread stuff isn't obviously the same as it would be if you were looking at like IU basketball or anything, college basketball. So um, that's part of the reason why we started this pod was to, you know, give more of a, more of a voice to this. Yeah. There's so many people out there that are interested in, in any high school hoops, I mean, everywhere you go in the state, I mean, you can find um, a local team to support, a local story. So I think it's interesting that we can kind of talk about the state as a a, a bigger 
scope and kind of break down everything that's going on for people that are interested, but just don't really know where to find uh, information on it. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, you know, I listened to the first few episodes you guys did, and obviously you talk in that first episode a little bit about your background, how you got into it. Um, not, not to make you guys just completely repeat yourself, but just for any listeners uh, of mine who, who haven't yet heard your guys' show, do you want to go ahead and give a, a little background, a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, kind of what the inspiration was for the new pod? Um, sure. So, like, um, so I'm, I'm Jackson. Uh, just to clarify, I don't know if Jared and I uh, made that uh, apparent to the, the listeners beforehand, but so I am, was a 2018 graduate uh, from Carmel High School, and all four years I was there, I was a manager for the Carmel basketball program, and I was obviously aware that Indiana High School basketball was like a different entity than other states going into high school, but being a part of that great experience really opened my eyes, and getting to be at every practice and um, all the games, traveling around the state, seeing the gyms and just the great games and crowds and pageantry for something, you know, that was, you know, prioritizing the skills and games of like, you know, 18 year olds was really special and seeing how it brought people and communities together. And from there, it just, I grew more and more passionate by the year. Yeah. So I went to Lawrence North High School, also a 2018 graduate and, uh, you know, like Jackson School, we're both very big basketball powerhouses in the state. So, you know, kind of basketball is, is the main sport at Lawrence North. And so I kind of fell in love just going to games as a freshman. Um, it was interesting just to see just the atmosphere around the team. You know, we had the Marion County Player of the Year my freshman year. We had a very good team, won the sectional. And then as I started going on, uh, you know, my career in media kind of started to pick up. And I did a lot of photography, reporting. And I just eventually started following the team everywhere, essentially being a beat photographer and beat writer for them, um, using social media to kind of to gain their platform while also gaining my platform because uh, high school sports really weren't well covered um, at Lawrence North. And so I felt like I just needed to do a job to, to you know, show people, you know, that there are athletes playing every night and, and you know, show them what they're doing. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think uh... – that's really cool. Your guys story. Basically for me, um, I used to live in Indiana when I was a kid. My dad actually worked at a uh, La La Mer up oh, in wow. uh, Laporte. Mm-hmm. And that was when really La La Mer was starting to just take off. My dad was kind of a big part of, you know, making it into kind of what it is today. Um, so as a kid, you know, I saw some of those, those guys, you kind of like just look at them like they're, they're icons, you know, some of these yeah. guys, uh, just completely uh, full D1 roster, you know, uh, obviously not even as good as they are today, but they've just grown. And, and I ended up leaving the state, going down to North Carolina and uh, came back for my junior year, played two years at Evansville Day in Evansville, Indiana. And yeah, we got, we actually junior year won the sectional this past year, lost a heartbreaker in the championship. Um, it, it's something that is sort of hard to explain. And this is a point you guys made on the, on your first episode of your podcast. It, it when you play, it's like kind of an, if you know, you know, situation with mm-hmm. Indiana high school basketball. Like I, I just being able to play for two years for a school with 65 kids. Uh, I think the second smallest school in the state. Um, but seeing, but you feel like a rock star. You feel so like you're, you're so embraced by everyone because, We've only that was the second sectional in school history, and so 
you're out there playing for the team. The community is rallying around you. There's just something different about Indian high school basketball. Yeah, hands down. There's just there's a different vibe. There's a different feeling. And I mean, like you said, the rock star point, I think, is so accurate. We're like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you said, you know, you being from Evansville Day. Um, and that's really cool that you got to experience that. You know, like you said, 65 person school. And then, you know, even doesn't matter how big your school is. Like you're the main event just being out there on that floor. Right. And um, it, it's, you know, the same for any community and any school. And, um, and it's really cool that you have the connection to Lalu as well, because you get, you know, kind of both scopes, like, you know, a really talented prep school um, with a lot of great players. And then, you know, the small town community feel of Evansville Day, like that's a really awesome connection you've got there. Yeah. And I, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. I think that until you like experience like a Friday night sectional with no back to back games, uh, you know, the gym is packed you know, everyone in town kind of stops their plans to, you know, make it to the best sectional wherever it may be that night. And I think until you experience that, it you don't understand like what high school hoops is all about because that is like arguably the biggest night of the year, even bigger than, you know, maybe the state title games because, you yeah. know, you've still got, um, you know, a bunch of teams still playing and there's a lot to play for. You're probably playing a crosstown team or a team that you've already played before. Uh, and so it's just that whole day building up to the, you know, the six o'clock or the seven thirty tip, wherever you're at. Um, it's just, you know, it's just like, it couldn't drag on anymore and you can't wait to get to that tip off and, you know, play some team that you've been waiting to either beat again or get revenge on from the regular season, because it's just, you know, you're all there in the same community and you're all trying to beat your, you know, your crosstown rivals and your, uh, just the teams that you can't really stand. Yeah, no. And there's really nothing like it i mean from the you know the sort of pre-game just butterflies in your stomach you you don't know you're you're nervous uh you're because you're about to go out in front of a couple thousand fans that's the mm-hmm. thing that people don't understand it's like it's legit it's not uh it's not just another high school game i, I don't know so much wh- how high school basketball is played in other states but i can i can pretty much guarantee it's it's not this much uh there's, there's not this much energy. Um, you know, you guys talked a little bit on the last uh, episode about sort of being, um, you know, these you, you guys obviously both from 4A schools, uh, Lawrence North and, and uh, Carmel. Um, what, what is it like being at that that even bigger school? Because I, I for me, obviously, the 1A school still a lot of passion, still, you know, literally a, a few thousand fans in the stands. Uh, but I, I haven't been able to see, you know, one of these 4A, 3A sectionals where all the teams are loaded with D1 talent, all the teams uh, are stacked. You know, Jared, you coming from Lawrence North, you guys have arguably the best sectional in the state. What's that like on a sectional Friday? Man, I like to take it back to my sophomore year of high school, which was in 2016. And – in the same sectional, you had Kyle Guy, Chris Wilkes, C.J. Walker. I mean, just all of this ridiculous talent. And only yeah. one of those teams is going to win the sectional. Right. And it was crazy because, you know, you had uh, C.J. Walker, who played at Florida State and now is at Ohio State, and he was out on Tuesday night, and they were on their home court. And then you had Kyle Guy had to slug through Lawrence North on Friday night to even get to the sectional title where they ended up losing to Chris Wilkes. So, I mean, it was – it's crazy because night in and night out, you're playing a top 10 team, a team that can win the state title. But you know, at the end of the week, four of the top 10 teams in the state are going to be out of the sectional. 
just because you're playing a team that's equally as good, if not better. And it's kind of crazy that you could have all that talent just surrounded in the same, you know, like 20 mile radius. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious to, to hear your guys' opinion about uh, something that's pretty unique to Indiana, at least as far as I've seen, which is the blind draw of the sectional. Uh, this is something that uh, you either like it, you either love it or you hate it, really. Um, it basically, for those that don't know, I don't know why you wouldn't know if you're listening to this, but, uh, you know, they basically completely disregard the regular season because they do a blind draw of seeding for the sectional games. So if you are the worst team, you can end up being the one seed, vice versa. What do you guys think about that? Um, personally, uh, I, I love it. Um, I know that's like a lot of people who aren't as familiar with it don't really see, you know, the benefit to it. But I mean, in my eyes, if the state's going to be organized every single year, you know, there's only so much that sectional seating has a role in like the big picture of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost like if you're really the best team and you deserved that theoretical one seed, then you should be able to prove it against any team that you end up getting matched up against um, in the sectional. And it also allows for, you know, a little bit of craziness that's only, you know, possible in this kind of setting of Indiana high school hoops. Like I'm trying to think of a good example, but it, um, you know, just a team with like a losing record could end up advancing out if they get a good draw. And it's just, you never know what you're going to get. And I think it adds the unpredictability of it all, which I think in turn makes it more special. Yeah, I agree. I think in football, it's a little bit different because of the talent discrepancy between teams, even in the same sectional is kind of hit or miss sometimes. And yeah. in a sport like baseball, where, you know, you have an advantage if you do get the buy because you can save some arms, but in basketball, you know, everyone's at the same playing level in the sectional like i'm like jackson said if you're the worst team in the sectional you could give any team in the chal- in the sectional a challenge like when you when it comes to tournament time everyone's you know zero and zero there's no wins there's no losses it doesn't matter what you did in the regular season because there's just an added level of intensity that everyone knows is there and so even if you were a two-win team in the regular season i would put my money up against anybody in the sectional because it's just there's an added level of intensity everyone plays harder everyone dives for those loose balls so I think, you know, if you have to play Tuesday night and you have to go through the next three best teams in the sectional, or if you get to draw the Friday night and you play the worst team in the sectional in the semifinals, I don't think it really matters because, you know, you're going to come out and you're going to have to play, you know, at least two or the three, two or three of the best teams in the sectional just to even advance. So I don't think it really matters where you end up in the draw. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and one thing I also would push back on that I know some people have brought up one some people have brought up one state tournament to crown one champion. Uh, but maybe it's just me being kind of a 1A guy. But I do think the four champions, and that this is standard for most states, but the four champions is something that's important. Uh, letting the letting the smaller teams taste that glory, because obviously if we have one tournament, you're going to get a 4A champion, 3A champion uh, pretty much every year. And and I think that Saturday, uh, state championship Saturday, is really cool to kind of have the games back to back to back to back. Um, I just think that's something that should be kept. And I, I have heard some people say, "Oh yeah, one you know one state tournament." I I think it should be kept. I I agree with you, and I like uh, the four class system. I think you know when you get to where we are today in terms of how youth athletics work, they're a lot different than you know let's say thirty years ago or so. Um, you know, resources 
can uh, vary a lot, especially, you know, in communities, um, you know, that are much bigger, you might have better resources and just a whole lot more talent in flux. So it's just like creates this unfair advantage if you had everyone combined in. Now, granted, if it was one class tournament, you know, that would be a lot of fun and there'd be some crazy games for sure. But I think it is good to give smaller schools, you know, um, just an equal opportunity to get that chance of winning a state title, feeling that glory. And it also gives us like stories we may have never had. Like I think back to Jared and I talked about this like a couple weeks ago, but um, in 2018, Morristown went on a really special run to win 1A. And I don't think they had ever won it before, um, but they ended up beating Eric Hunter and Tinley, who were, you know, a really good team and had won it the year before. But if it was, you know, a one class tournament, I, I mean, Morristown would have put up a good fight against, you know, a lot of teams, but I don't know how far they really would have gone. And we never would have gotten to see the emergence of Hayden Lane Cable and, you know, everyone else part of that team. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, as much as I, I honestly would give a lot just to get one single class state tournament, but just the one, because I think, you know, there were some amazing games played back in, you know, the early 90s and the 80s, you know, where you had that small town school that goes up against the, you know, the big powerhouse from next door or whatever. And, you know, just to see an atmosphere like that. But at the end of the day, you know, that Morristown Bar Reeve game, the semi-state in 2018 was arguably one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Probably only topped by the game that followed it with New Albany and Warren Central. But nonetheless, you know, watching Hayden Lane Cable throw down the two-handed jam over Bar Reeve and just watching the gym at Seymour, which already had 8,000 people in it, explode. And they're like, who is this kid from Morristown? And right. just threw down this ridiculous – he's like 5'11". Who did, and then you just like – all of a sudden – and then all of a sudden I was rooting for Morristown the next weekend at state title. Like I need to see these guys win because, you know, they've already went on beat Bar Reeve. Might as well win the whole thing now. So it's interesting to see these schools that nobody's ever heard of unless you're – unless you truly do your research just come out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're playing in a state title game. They get to play at Banker's Life, you know. For a lot of those small towns, you know, like the whole city shuts down and they make their way to Indianapolis. Um, and, you know, just for a Saturday morning in uh, March or whatever, it's, you know, the whole the whole state is just watching them and they're playing on, you know, um, Fox Sports Indiana or whatever. So it's inter- it's cool to see those small schools, you know, get the chance to play at the big time level that they probably don't they probably won't ever get a chance to play it again. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's something so special for them. Uh, my my team actually had the chance to play a game at Banker's Life, just a one-off game this past season. Super cool experience where, you know, kind of the whole whole community came up. And that obviously wasn't for a state championship, but just to see communities do that is, is really cool. Um, let's kind of, transition here to the actual season uh we've been kind of aau just kind of wrapped up wanted to get your guys thoughts on this uh recent battle of the brands event um uh you know between indy indiana elite and indy heat um just general thoughts did you guys have any any takeaways obviously uh the big matchup was was ended up being a blowout because uh, logan duncombe and, and trey kaufman kind of went off for indiana elite what'd you guys think about that um, I was really su- not surprised that Indiana Elite won. I-, I thought it was just going to be a game that could go either way because both rosters are-, are loaded with talent. I just did not expect to see a 174 final score. Um, yeah, no. And I mean, I think in a number of ways, Logan and Trey are obviously two very talented players. But I think, um, you know, it was kind of a fluke in how it was, you know, that lopsided. Because, I mean, I've seen a lot of those kids play on the heat side and they're no joke. I mean, Caleb first is 
the real deal by every stretch of the measure. He just played one really, you know, kind of off game. But I think it's a really good event overall. And I think it's – Jared and I alluded to it in one of our episodes. Like, it's something that should be done more often because those two brands, even though they're on different circuits, are elite. And the amount of talent that's come through there and the NBA players that have come through there in recent years are just historically is, is remarkable. So I think it was a really good idea for them to do that. Yeah, it was great to see, you know, just all the talent that was out there in Indiana kind of get together for for one weekend and watch, you know, guys like Caleb first, you know, Trey Kaufman, Luke Goody, Blake Wesley, uh, Logan Duncan, all these guys that are going to be future, you know, Big Ten players um, and the guys that we're going to know in two to three years um, just kind of get together and, and play, you know, some fun spirited basketball with also a little bit of a competitive aspect because I know the bragging rights were probably on the line and, you know, I'm sure this high school season they'll probably be talking a little smack like, hey, don't forget we like knocked you guys up in AAU this year or whatever. So it's just right. a, it's a fun thing to have. It's good for the state of Indiana, I think. Um, it's good for those both of those brands because they're just going to grow. Um, and I think it's good for everyone that's, you know, kind of been missing high school, or high school hoops and we're kind of disappointed in the way the season ended um, prematurely. Just to have a weekend where a bunch of guys that you're familiar with got the chance to go up and play each other and uh, yeah, like Jackson said, I think they should do it every year. Uh, there's no need, there's no saying that you can't run out a whole weekend and you know invite like four teams from the state and just battle it out in a kind of round robin type thing with the Indy Heat and Indiana Elite being the primetime matchup. Right. And so I, I want to kind of ask you guys. Obviously, I've sort of been up north. I've been down south here in Evansville, but I I don't have a ton of familiarity with the Indy area. Obviously, a, a big area for for Indiana high school basketball. Looking at this upcoming season, what do you guys what do you guys think about the Indiana bas- or Indy area basketball? I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe just a few teams, a few players you're really interested to see. Uh, you think are going to have big years? Um, I think, uh, it, and it's not out of bias uh, to either Jared or I, but I think both of our schools are looking really good and are going to be two of the top uh, contenders in the state. Um, yep. With Carmel, you only lose one senior in Jackson Jansen, who was a really big part of that program, gave a lot of um, great minutes, dedication, and an iconic moment in the sectional semis, beating Noblesville on a, like a really crazy buzzer beater shot. But other than him being gone, you return everything, and you have three um, legitimate Division One prospects, one being Brian Waddell, who doesn't have any offers right now, but he has a lot of interest um, from some low major schools as well as Missouri and Purdue. And then uh, Peter Suter and Charlie Williams are two juniors that both have two Division One offers in hand and both have a lot of high major interest as well. Um, and then you have uh, a lot of other talented players across the board, including Bryce Beery, Will Leary, Connor Joya. And there are some young guys in the 2023 group that I think are going to emerge a little bit too. And I'll give it to Jared to talk about Ellen's returning group. Yeah, obviously I think – we were all looking forward to a Lawrence North Bloomington South matchup in the semi-state and that would yep. end prematurely. But even if you lose um, Tony Perkins and Dorian um, Sanders, um, he recently uh, was adopted by a new family. So changed from Hatton to Sanders. Um, you do return a, a core group in, in DJ Hughes, who's Butler commit now, Shamar Avance, who's kind of blown up in the AAU circuit this year and is, I think, really close to landing a big time offer. Um, CJ Gunn is finally back and healthy and has really taken off this year in the AU circuit. Uh, Omar Cooper, who's going to be a big time football recruit, just landed an Arkansas offer for football. 
you know, Donovan McCauley, an IU football recruit, but those are all guys that are going to continue playing basketball. So you got a solid core of guys and you got Jack Kiefer at, at the helm. So, I mean, with any team that he's coaching, I think they have a legitimate shot at winning the state title. Uh, but I also think you have to look deeper in the sectional and look at Warren Central with Deontay Davis now transferring over. Right. His dad taking the head coaching job. Malik Stanley, a guy who is, I think, severely underrated in the state and I think is mm-hmm. going to be an Indiana All-Star this year and is, should be landing a Division One offer here soon or a big-time offer. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Crispus Attucks with the uh, transfer, Jalen Hooks, you know, Sean Ware, they have a, a, a ton of talent. Um, there at their school and they're playing at the 4A level again this year uh, I think that sectional is going to be a lot of fun again it, it's always a lot of fun uh, but I think those three teams in particular are ones that are just going to kind of make it hard on each other to win the sectional I think you're going to have to go through at least two of those teams and potentially North Central and Cathedral as well to win the sectional this year and you know any team that gets out of that sectional I think has a legit shot of making a run um, to the state title um I think you have to look at Ben Davis and Pike as well as two teams that are probably going to be on the uh, the upturn in terms of talent as well that have been kind of in a downward spiral here for a little bit. But I think those two schools are big-time basketball programs and always know how to find talent and, and get themselves back on the right track. So I think once again this year, it's the Indy area is just going to be ridiculously loaded with talent. Yeah, no, it looks like it. And, and Jackson, do you think uh... – my guy, my guy, Braden Smith, who I've had on the podcast, I love this guy. Can he lead Westfield? Do they have any chance against your Carmel team? Um. Okay, so that's the thing. I was going to – I wanted Jerry to talk about Lawrence North, and I was going to get to Westfield next because I really like Braden Smith's game, and I like that, that young group they've got there. Um, it's hard for me. I, I can't necessarily, you know, root against my hounds per se. Right, um, right. But I, I think Braden is – and, you know, Westfield are going to give them – you know, a great fight and, uh, you know, it just, you know, sectional basketball, the way it goes, you know, you never know how it's going to be. So they very well could get through Westfield has, I know has never won a sectional title. And I know Braden Smith is a great player and is really hungry to, to get that sectional title and to advance further. Um, and the way that his game has grown, you know, year after year, um, it's very well possible. It, it seems like they're on a mission for a long time. Westfield basketball, has been an afterthought to many around the state, but he's changing that narrative. So that's been something that's been really cool to watch. And they just reached the sectional final last year. And I believe they only lost to Carmel by about seven points. Yeah. They're right there, I think. Um, and, and interested to get your guys' opinion on uh, – this is more of a IU recruiting thing, but uh, the class of 2022, kind of the three three point guards that you think of, Braden, obviously, in that mix, Leland Walker from North Central – and then Tayshawn Comer from Cathedral, also really talented. Where do you guys see those three? How, how do you guys rank those three guys? And and obviously, people have talked about IU maybe uh, getting in on on one or even more of those those three guys. How does that look for you guys with those three? I, um. Oh, go ahead, Jared. You got it. I'm honestly, oh. I'm a really big fan of Leland Walker. My mom, she teaches at North Central. She actually had him in class uh, his freshman year. But ever since he got to the school there, I think that he's just – he's been a phenomenal talent. He hasn't really truly been surrounded with great talent yet. And I think that's going to be um, – he's actually going to be finally surrounded with a, a good core of players this year in his junior season. You know, with the recent right. hire of Jason Gardner, too, a guy that's led them to a state title. And his coach at the Division One level, I think his game is just ready to take off. 
Um, he's had a phenomenal AAU season, and he's just he's just a great point guard, a great leader. He can shoot the ball, dish the ball, amazing handles, and he plays good defense. I think this kid is legitimately the real deal. He has a, a Xavier offer, and I think you know if I was IU or Purdue, I would be getting in on this kid because you don't want to see a talented point guard like him, you know, leave the state and go somewhere else. I, uh, I'm going to second Jared on out of those three, I think Leland Walker would get IU's nod before the other two. I'm not saying that IU wouldn't reach out to the other two by any means, but I think they would go after Leland first because Leland has seemingly had the biggest summer of the three and he's really, you know, showcased why um, people are so high on him. And he is the only three thus far to have a high major offer in Xavier. But um, it's really interesting to see because IU, if you look closely with Archie and his recruiting patterns, he doesn't just go out and give everybody an offer immediately. Like he waits. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't want you. Like he will stay in contact with you. And if you look at this 2020 group, Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal, who both committed the summer before their senior season, didn't get an IU offer until April of their junior year. And I mean, with Leal, like he's a Bloomington kid, you would think, oh, he's going to get an offer immediately because he's a four-star prospect in Archie's backyard. But Archie really waits to make sure that he's like solidified with who he wants. And then he'll go after and offer the kid. And then they'll know that they're, you know, being verified and that the the interest is legitimate. So it's going to be interesting to see how long Archie waits to pull the trigger on those guys. Um, And it kind of depends to see, you know, like transfers and such obviously play a role, but um Archie's Archie's timeline for recruiting is always kind of interesting and he wants to wait to make sure he likes the guy hundred percent. I agree there with you, Jackson. I think, you know, Matt Painter is the guy that often will hand out offers a little bit more early than other people. Them and Butler for sure. I think that Archie likes to wait to see, you know, what guys does Purdue on and and where do we think we have a legitimate shot of, you know, taking over because he never really went after Caleb first very hard because I don't think he ever thought that IU had a legit shot. Right um, at landing him, which is why I think he was recruiting Logan Duncan and Trey Kaufman that much harder, because I don't think he ever thought that he was going to land a guy like Caleb first. And just kind of circling back to the the Braden Smith thing, I think Braden Smith would be a perfect fit at Butler. Um, oh yeah, he is. Yeah. I, I think that would be an incredible fit for him, a guy from the Indy area, um, absolutely crazy basketball IQ, can shoot the ball, can can handle the ball. It's almost like having another a Kellen Dunham, but at, at a point guard position. Yeah. And I think he will land some higher offers than Butler. But I think, you know, that would be a perfect fit. A four-year guy, um, you know he's going to be smart. He's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, I think he would be incredible there. Yeah, and with his shooting, he, he seems tailor-made for the Big East. Yeah, that, I think that's a good point. He, he fits mm-hmm. the Butler way, I think, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. And then what about these, these 2023 guys? So the two guys here that – that I really like, obviously that is not a hot take by me. Everyone really likes him. Jalen hooks and Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Jalen hooks now uh, transferring to Christmas addicts. We just mentioned that. And then Dre at McCutcheon, which is where obviously Rob Finnessy went uh, when he played his high school ball. What do you guys think about those two? I I'm really high on Dre uh, Gibbs Lawhorn. I think he's just a scoring machine and he's just going to continue to get better. Obviously these guys have only played their freshman season, but what do you think about these two? Um, it, it seems like, I mean, like you said, they've only had a freshman year, but you know, it doesn't take long to tell who's a big time prospect and who's not. And right, they both right. certainly seem to be, you know, premier cream of the crop type guys. Um, I was reading in the hooks a little bit and how his recruitment's gone as of late. And 
He played in uh, the Pangos League in Indy, and they were saying that he's already received interest from Kentucky and Michigan State, uh, along with IU and Purdue and a host of other Big Ten schools. So for him, his national recruitment to already be you know, taking place this early and to have that DePaul offer is really a testament to how good he is. And I think it's really his ceiling is so high to be like a six, seven versatile forward um, that can shoot the ball is, is a lot. And then as for, for Lawhorn's sake, I really like Lawhorn's game too. Um, I haven't seen him play. I haven't seen either of these guys play only on film, but I think IU is in a good spot in the fact that he's a McCutcheon kid. Um, you know, the fantasy connection is strong there. Um, but the only thing is, is like Purdue, and this was so weird, like Painter did not go after Finnessy very hard when Finnessy was in high school. And I mean, he was in his backyard, but obviously Lawhorn just got that Purdue offer. So it's like, I don't right. think Painter wants to make the same mistake twice. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's the one thing, like, I think Purdue was so high on Eric Hunter in the 2018 class that they just kind of ignored Finnessy and, and Archie was like, well, I like Finnessy, and I don't think we have a great chance of landing Hunter, so we're going to go get Finnessy instead and pair him up with Romeo. Um, but getting back to your original question is, I think Jalen Hooks is a phenomenal talent, and once his body truly fills out and once, you know, he gets in that Division One weight room eventually, it kid's going to be a monster. I mean, you're talking 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I mean, you're looking down the barrel of eventually maybe 230, 240. This guy is going to be a tremendous talent. He's got amazing ball skills for a guy that big. Um, he can control the paint, control the area, and he just moves, you know, so graciously, especially for a freshman. I mean, and playing, yeah, in, Franklin ridiculous. Central, playing in Franklin Central that hasn't really been a basketball school since Juwan Johnson was there at the end of the, you know, early 2000s or whatever. Um, I think – he had a phenomenal freshman year, and I think at Addicts that he's just going to get that much better, especially playing the legitimate talent that Addicts plays. I mean, they play a tremendous schedule, even for a school that's really a 3A school. Uh, I think, you know, pairing, pairing, up, pairing him up with his former middle school teammate, Quishon Ware, is just going to be that much better for him. Uh, and I think they have a phenomenal program down there at Addicts where he's going to thrive. Yeah, I agree. That was a good move for him, I, in my opinion. Um and let's talk a little bit more. So two questions. One, Mr. Basketball pick for this upcoming season. And two, give me a guy, I don't care what class, who you think is, is kind of flying under the radar right now. Hmm. Okay. Um, I might need a second for – well, there, I have some ideas for the radar one. But for the Mr. Basketball pick, it's going to be, I think, a two-horse race between first and, and Kaufman. Yep. Um, and I, I think it's like the the award is always, you know, kind of up in the air. And the fact that there's like question about is this like a four year thing or is it just a senior thing? And obviously both are factors. But I mean, when you look at last year with Anthony Leo and Tony Perkins, which is a really close race, Perkins had a phenomenal senior year. And he really, you know, prior to his junior season, didn't have a gigantic role compared to Leo, who's been like a three-year starter and was like a four-year varsity player. So right. it's almost like the four-year career thing kind of gets the nod, but at the same time, they both won state championships as sophomores. Um, it's just that, and then, you know, this year, I would assume that both of them could have very easily won a, another state title in their classes. First is, I feel like, been a well-known commodity for a longer time. So it, it ultimately might be just who has the better senior year. Who, like, how do they finish in the tournament? their statistics and all that. Um, so I think that is going to be a very close race to watch. I'm, I'm not quite sure who's going to get it, but I'm going to guess first at this point. Uh, 
yeah, so uh, I think, honestly, I think Kaufman has the upper hand. He was Gatorade Player of the Year, which is a completely separate award. Um, but, you know, I think he'll win another state title. Um, he has the potential to be an IU commit. And I sometimes think that IU commits get a favorite kind of an upper hand in the voting. I don't think that's very mm-hmm. true, but I've heard rumors that that has had a, a impact on the voting. Because um, if you notice, the last three winners have been IU commits. Right. Um, starting with, obviously, Romeo and Trace were kind of go-away favorites, but it, I think it might have an upper hand a little bit, especially in the southern Indiana type um, part of the voting. Um, but I think Trey Kaufman, if he has another state title run, which I think he does because he has Cooper Jacoby alongside him in the 3A, um, I think they'll have a phenomenal senior year. And it'll be close. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to have two big men be the favorites for the award because usually – uh, you're probably looking down more the barrel of a guard or, or a small forward that has more scoring prowess. Uh, but I think Trey Kaufman is my favorite for uh, Mr. Basketball. And one guy I think is flying under the radar, and I mentioned earlier, is Malik Stanley from Warren Central. Um, mm-hmm. I've been enamored. He was on he was on the varsity roster for their 2018 state title, but didn't play very much. Um, and then once that core graduated after 2019, he averaged over 20 points a game this past year had like a 35-point performance in the sectional, had an amazing behind-the-back pass uh, against North Central to feed another player for a layup. I think he is a phenomenal scoring machine. He's a little bit undersized, which I think is what's kind of inhibiting his recruiting from taking off. But he's got a couple really, really good D2 offers, and I think if uh, you know he can land a D1 offer, it might start to blow up. And, and a great senior year is just going to help him even more. Um, I think he's like, you know, I think, Maybe his ceiling right now is like a Mac level player, um, but maybe after a couple of years, you know, maybe we're looking at a, a potential transfer to a Big Ten school or a Big East school or something like that. Because I think any guy that can score the ball like that is gonna make some coach happy. And I think, you know, once he kind of fills out his body and hits the weight room a little bit in college, I think, I think he can have an incredible college career because he's already had an amazing high school career. Uh, for to answer the the under the radar guy, I alluded to him earlier, but Brian Waddell from Carmel, his name is not very well known around the state quite yet to someone who might just be that kind of casual about it. But um, he has been like kind of a late bloomer in terms of his growth. Uh, early on in his high school career, he was about like six one, six two. He's now up to like six six, six seven. Um, can score and shoot, and he battled a little bit of injury. Um, the last year or two, as well as playing on like a really deep roster at Carmel. But um, he's been getting a lot of low major interests like Furman and uh, Florida Atlantic, Miami of Ohio. But he's got like the best days that are kind of ahead of him, I think, because his dad, Matt, played at Purdue. Um, so he's got the lineage there. He's got like, you know, good genes, of course. And um, I know Purdue has like kind of talked a little bit of interest in him, potentially walking on. Uh, but maybe playing his way into a scholarship or something down the road. And then uh, Missouri, I know, has shown some interest in him as well. So, like, to not have an offer at this point, but still to receive some high major interest, um, I'm curious to see when those offers are going to start coming in. Right, right. And some guy, one of the guys, we've, he's been mentioned a little bit here. I, I don't know if he's necessarily underrated from a college perspective just because of his body type and play style. But Cooper Jacoby is a legit player. I love this guy's game. Um, he is just an awesome compliment to Trey Kaufman. I don't know if he's underrated. Like I said, I think people 
largely like him, but I just want to shout him out because he can really play. I mean, I, I agree with you. He's he's a bucket, and, like, I think the thing is, is, like, if Cooper Jacoby were in the 2020 class, I think he'd get a lot more recognition. It's just 2021 is so deep top to bottom. The right. pure depth of guys who are going to be playing at the Division One level is ridiculous. That's probably why his name gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. I also think if he played anywhere but Silver Creek, he'd be probably receiving a lot more interest than he is. I mean, he hasn't uh, – so, I mean, he's not – like you said, not really going under the radar, but, you know, playing alongside Trey Kaufman at a school like Silver Creek, which is not a very big school at all. Uh, it's kind of hard to have, you know, two guys getting equal notice. Um, but he is a guy that once he gets to college, I think people are going to kind of regret maybe overlooking him a little bit because, you know, if he did go to an Indiana state type school, I think he would be a phenomenal player, um, you know, play on the wing uh, in Greg Lansing's system. Um, I think is a phenomenal talent. I agree. I think I look at someone, and this is not to, to hate on anyone at all, but Lincoln Hale, a guy from Linton, who I've played against, and he he has an Indi- he's committed to Indiana State. But I just, from what I've seen from Cooper, I just I would much rather have Cooper, and that's nothing against Lincoln, but I just think he could be uh, kind of a steal for a program like Indiana State, like you said. Um, moving on, I guess we'll just kind of finish with with a question that obviously. We've kind of, I have kind of avoided so far, but that is obviously the fact that we don't know for sure that we will have a season. Um, we know that there are protocols being put in place. Do, do you guys think we're going to have a season? What do you think it's going to look like? Uh, distance fans, maybe one, one or two people per, per parent or whatever. And then, and finally, what, what do you think that, what do you think that's going to do to some of the kids? Because, as a former player, I, as someone, I, the fans are such a big part of it. Um, and especially if they completely cancel the season, I think it's going to take a really big toll on some of these guys who are kind of um, just so invested in their teams and their programs and trying to bring them that sectional, that whatever that, that it is, the goal for their team, especially the seniors who, who maybe want one last ride. Uh, so kind of what, what's your guys' thoughts thoughts on all that? Um. I oh, think, go ahead, Jared. You got. I think it's going to be a testament to how well the fall season is run, uh, because I know, especially in Marion County, they very recently uplifted the um, kind of suspension of athletics, and they're trying to reintroduce those back. And yep. It's it's going to take a lot because this is kind of the this is the first season of sports we've had since you know the pandemic hit back in March. Um, I think schools are going to do what it takes to make sure these kids can play. And I, so I think if we have an efficient fall season and we don't see, you know, too many barriers in there, I think we can have an efficient basketball season as well, you know, with proper protocol in place. Um, uh, so I'm hoping that the fall season can kind of go on unscathed. I think so far it has at least, you know, a week and a half in, you're going to have your positive tests. You're going to have, you know, games canceled and stuff like that. That's just part of what comes with playing during a pandemic and you can't really help right. that. But as long as we can mostly, you know, keep these kids safe uh, and, and keep an efficient model of playing, I think we should be able to have a basketball season. Uh, uh, so I would like to I would like to hope that it just continues and goes on uh, unscathed. Um, to build off your point, Jared, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think the fall is going to be a really good indicator to see, um, you know, where we can stand come winter. 
and I, I do fully agree that the schools are going to do their best to try to make this thing happen because they know how much it means to the kids, the community, et cetera. And if that means no fans or if that means very limited fans, if that's what it takes to play, I think the kids will just say, whatever we need to do, we're going to do. And, um, you know, there's obviously going to be some positive cases, as Jared said, but, you know, it's so big to continue it and let it, you know, play it to the best of our ability because, I mean, this is such an essential part of, you know, who they are and things they look forward to and escape from, um, you know, everything that might be, you know, stressful in regular life and day-to-day school stuff. Um, and, and then in terms of the recruiting aspect, I mean, this season is going to be really interesting to see if, if it goes through as we anticipate or hope so. Um, you have a lot of guys right now who would be after regular AAU summer would be coming out with a lot more offers. And we've seen a, a very, very few amount of high major offers that are even thrown out to guys who have you know blown up. Like we talked about Leland Walker earlier. He probably would have at least five or six high major offers had it been a normal oh, yeah. summer oh, yeah. and coaches had been able to see him and probably even more. So now it's going to be more reliance on coaches paying attention to these high school games and going, okay, this kid proved it to me from the film I saw in a huddle over the summer. Now I'm going to offer this kid. But you're also going to see a lot of guys who are younger that coaches are probably going to send a blind offer out potentially if they need to fill a spot and they just haven't gotten a chance to go around and see them, but they need to fill those, you know, those slots coming to the upcoming groups. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays a role with recruiting because typically AAU gets all the attention with how a kid's recruitment goes, but now the school season is going to be a lot more important. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that is, going to be something really interesting to watch is the fallout in terms of recruiting uh jackson jared where can we find the new podcast tell us tell us where we can listen to it and go find it um so on twitter we have a the basketball state podcast um account we just started that up and we are currently on soundcloud and on youtube um the soundcloud is the name of the uh the podcast uh the, the basketball state and then the YouTube is under my name, Jackson Yeary, but we're working right now on getting um, all of our episodes onto uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we're just trying to grow it as much as we can. And the uh, the Twitter handle is under was that it's at underscore TBF Podcast. Awesome! Thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, good luck with the podcast. I I so appreciate someone doing this to cover the the uh, high school season. And give some love to uh, Evansville Day. We, we deserve it. And thank you for having us on. And uh, we'll definitely be shouting you out. And, you know, I really love the work that you're doing, especially coming into IU. Haven't even, like, I don't know if you stepped good on campus yet, but to be doing what you're doing already is really impressive. Appreciate it, man. I'll be there tomorrow. And uh, I look forward to maybe having you guys on again. This has been fun. Thank good. you.